something full of fright. I grant that I was with the devil below in his great big fiery hall, where the devil was giving a ball. I checked my coat and hat and started gazing at the merry crowd who came to witness the show, and I must confess to you. There were many there I knew. Hello, hi. At the devil's ball. At the devil's ball. Hello, and welcome to The Dispatchist, a friendly conversation about hell and some other stuff. Tonight, inarguably, I'm Jamin. I guess I'm back to being Victoria. Oh, thank goodness. I was having real trouble with that. Luca can hear you. Oh, shite. Uh, I'm Jacob. Hi, Jacob. <laughs> hi, Jamin. Hi, Victoria. Uh, hi, Jacob. Hi, Jamin. Hello! Hi, John Boy. Tonight's episode is 17. We're talking about Lilith. The funny thing about 17 is, every teenage girl had a subscription to 17 magazine when she was 14. Oh, it's topical. You remake yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. And 17 magazine, well, at least the year that I had the subscription, was full of female role models. Wait, uh, roll back. Perfume. Never mind, go on. <laughs> I hate <laughs> those perfume inserts. Like, you open the mailbox and you can just smell it. It's like, oh, my magazine's here. <sighs> I, I think you're getting 17 confused with Mad. Does Mad have perfume samples? <laughs> yeah, but they all look <laughs> like Don Martin's character's feet. <laughs> That's right, because they always bent. Like, all their little toes yeah. bent. Mm-hmm. I had the, the, was it the fold in or whatever the... The funky thing. Oh, the, the back end. cover? Yeah. Where you have to... Mm, that was far too complicated for my tiny brain. I feel like cracked was maybe your, more your speed, potentially. It's I, a little bit more cerebral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just yeah. colored in the newspapers. That's what I did. <laughs> Got my green crayon. Oh. Well, guys, I was running a little bit late today. So instead of making something, I, uh, I just ordered a pizza. So hope you guys like thin crust. Mm, yeah, sure. It came from Mangia out on Burnett. You guys, you guys have all been there, right? It's an Austin staple. Yep, yep, yep. So I, I got the green pig. It's basically a pulled Ooh. pork, thin crust pizza. It's got the sauce, and it's got avocados mixed in with the pulled pork. Yeah. So this is like the best pizza on the planet, and I think you're going to really break the, the conceit of us being in a recording studio in hell if you talk much more about it, because it's mm. so good. <laughs> it really is. It's quite good. Yeah, pizza can, delivery in hell. Yeah. It, it comes, like, soggy, but it gets there. It's DiGiorno. <laughs> <laughs> if I can find a picture of this or the menu, I'll throw it on the show notes. Actually, uh, I, can, I can make it hellish, because one time I tried to make a green pig pizza on the keto diet. That was that was weird. That was just very weird. Oh, yeah, you invited me over for that one. It was terrible. Yeah. Why did, how do you make it keto? Well, you can make a crust out of mozzarella, and it's usually pretty good. But this time, the crust was not actually soggy so much as porridge. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want to, like, spoon eat your pizza. No, it was a textural disaster. It was. Mm -hmm. Thank you. I I mean, uh, thank you for inviting me over for dinner, sir. I I picked the (laughs) avocados out and had a good time. Man, you're ungrateful. (laughs) Well, I did bring some entertainment. Ooh. Ooh. Being cut with swords and driven across a frozen swamp by, with the slothful by the great and awesome serpent-horned Bahamut, the, go- the great dark goat. Wow. It's easy for you to say. No, it clearly <laughs> is not. <laughs> uh, so there was something about 
green greasy goblin guts is wait what was it no the great and awesome serpent horned bahamut the ah. dark, great dark goat well this time he's got snake horns oh or snakes bahamut. snakes four horns i have or a bahamut reference later four snake horns <laughs> if the swamp is frozen does it really count i mean it's just an ice skating rink at that point oh it's murky and there are critters yeah and like the wrathful are halfway submerged in it and they burble Mm, burbling so you ice skate around them like uh, i think the, i think a frozen swamp is the best iteration of swamp you could come across yeah i'd agree wild. with that yeah i'd agree with that yes i mean this is entertainment so i i would be entertained skating around the wrathful the, the half frozen wrathful wow but what if they're like critiquing your style see mm. yeah mm. forever that's, that's not as entertaining <laughs> Yeah, those swamp judges, swamp skating judges are the worst. Oh, they're burbling. So I brought a drink. Ooh. It's actually called a Lilith. It has Polygar number four vodka, which is honey and allspice flavored. Ooh, that sounds nice. I, I know. know. I've never heard of that before. Uh, Reservo, Carlo, Alberto, uh, Blanc. I know, right? Um, I've had this terrible, terrible cold. Uh, Serrano Chili Liqueur and Bitter Ooh. Truth Creole Bitters. What? Serrano Chili Liqueur. Mm-hmm. That sounds mm-hmm. very infernal. Doesn't it? Yeah. I feel like this sounds both like sugar and spice and, and all things nice plus evil. Yeah. And this so is not very fitting. This is not like back of your throat heat. This is all over your mouth and probably like lips and don't get any in your eyes heat it's like yes it's like punch you in the face heat awesome do you drink it with a straw i don't you might be able to i didn't see a straw involved but i'm curious why you you might ask that well because if you if you drink with the straw it doesn't touch your lips and if you have serrano liqueur on Mm -hmm. your kissy bits right Uh uh-huh i I feel like this is protective measures. Oh. I don't, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I'm not sure where you're going with this. I Have you seen the Seven Deadly Sins drinking glasses? Yes. <laughs> no. Are they shaped like dwarves? No, they're not shaped <laughs> like dwarves. They're shaped like elegant, amazing things. Elegant, amazing, things. expensive things. Yeah, all elegant, of these. Elegant, amazing dwarves. Yeah. Each one is a really pretty specially designed drinking glass based on the sins. So like wrath has a very sharp cutting edge. Gluttony has all these little tendrils that kind of draw wine away from the mouth. So you can't really experience it except very awkwardly or by flipping it entirely upside down and drinking from it. And lust is modeled after sort of one of those hamster drinking balls where there's the little sphere at the end and you kind of have to lap it from the bottom of the glass as your partner holds it for you. Gotcha. Okay. I was thinking about like a hamster like ball, like you put mm. a hamster in it. And I was like, how does that work with a drink? I, I went there too. Yeah. How does that See? work with lust? <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I would I think have guessed. anything can work for lust. Yeah. I, I would have guessed gluttony would have just been like a gallon jug. Yeah. Right? Or like a three foot das boot. Oh, gluttony looks kind of like a, a, a beer gut. I think it's a very high capacity thing. Envy looks kind of like a top hat studded with tiny little holes, so it's more likely mm-hmm. to spill out than into your mouth. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. As I was looking these up, I discovered there's a Seven Deadly Sins drinking game. 
Oh, no. Oh, but it's about a TV show. Oh. There's a TV show called Seven Deadly Sins? I feel stupid that I didn't know this. Oh, I think it's an anime. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'm less interested now. Hmm. Hmm. I was hoping that it, like, you would watch a show, like any show, like, say, Full House. (laughs) And every time one of the sins was represented, you'd have to take a shot. In fact, let's just establish right now. This is our this is our trademark drinking game. You have to watch <laughs> Full House, <laughs> <laughs> and you have to take a shot whenever one of the sins is represented. I think it's an extra if it is one of the Olsen twins. Oh, oh dear! No, you take I, two shots. This sounds kind of like hell. Okay. Yeah, ooh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> that sounds like Monday morning hangover. That's what it sounds like. I have some hell news. I was just ooh. going to ask. This is from a few weeks ago, the uh, Nirvana copyright case against Dante's Inferno artwork. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. This has been fun, and it's not exactly a simple story because it involves trademark and copyright, and a lot of that is international trademark and copyright. Mm -hmm. But what it boils down to is that classic Nirvana image of like the seven circles of hell that's been one of their big merches since 1989 or so was not public domain. It was a 1950s-ish illustration from a recent translation of The Inferno. And so in about 2021, the last living descendant of the original artist, C.W. Scott Giles is the artist. That's not the name of the descendant. Noticed the Nirvana iconography, recognized it as her relative's work, and asked them for back payment. The real challenge is that while this was not in the public domain in Britain, it wasn't registered in the United States, so there's a lot of cross-Atlantic editorial morass to swamp through. But it, it's kind of neat to see a nice Dante-based lawsuit this century. They're not nearly enough, I would say. Yeah, no, I agree. Mm-hmm. I know this isn't hell news, but I know it's very exciting for all of us. The unearthed John Steinbeck werewolf novel that was is found at the Ransom Center. That, at the Ransom Center? Yeah. Oh, oh my was gosh. It? Yeah. It's it's in our it's if we weren't in hell right now, it would be in the the place where we ha- we used to hang our our horns. Oh, that is amazing. And you know, I never thought I'd hear the sentence the lost the lost Steinbeck werewolf novel. Yeah. Yes. Mhm. Mhm. I know. <laughs> so we could theoretically go and touch the lost Steinbeck werewolf novel. Yes, one one could put on little white gloves. And one could hold the novel in one's hand. I think that's too much distance from this work. Is it? (laughs) You want to lick it? Yes. (laughs) Uh, And and every every author, I think, publishes a bad werewolf novel or decides not to publish a bad werewolf novel. So this is kind of probably his, what, uh, Juvenalia? Oh, that's a good, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's early. And I feel like, yeah, everybody has that either erotica or werewolf novel, like, Maybe you do both. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, that's kind of a two cats, one bowl situation. Um, but it's a Murder at Full Noon, which may be an indicator of its quality. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> but it's exciting nonetheless. Wait, noon? Yes. The- full noon. noon. Yeah, Did I say noon? It's a pune or play on words. Well, is it, is it noon or is it moon? Because it's high noon and full, noon, full moon. Murder, yes. Oh, oh, I see. Mur- oh, I get it. Murder at high noon. Murder at... Because I was wondering why I was at full moon. You're absolutely right. 
it's a it's a pun. Which is it? So we can search for it on Amazon and not find it. <laughs> the actual name is Murder at Full Moon. Okay. Moon. Excitement. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. I feel like yeah, this is very cool and maybe lead to, might might lead to um, a party theme of I, some kind. I would read this novel. Like I would force myself to read this novel. Yeah. You would learn how to read? Did he did he did he write it under the pseudonym John Steinbark? <laughs> oh zing. Ow. That's a howler. Ugh. Ouch. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, John, let's get to the topic fairly soon. We're going What? We're going strange. So uh, <laughs> in the weeks leading up to this, we you know, we gave each other homework, uh, which of course I invariably never do. Mm-hmm. And Lilith Lilith is a is a big one, is a boggler because every we talk about everyone has a, a werewolf novel. Everyone has a Lilith character, right? Lilith has been portrayed as the bad guy, bad gal. You got these like, well, let's make her the anti-hero, or let's make her the hero. Where I'm Lilith, I was born under a bad moon, but I'm actually the hero. Or like, there's every video game, every novel, every you know, every character named Lilith has been portrayed as every kind of character there could be. Right? There's a lot of Liliths in the world. Yeah, I think, like, from the 90s onward, she's, like, one of the dominant characters. Yeah. So it's like, so where do you even start with all these Liliths? And I got smart. I did some research. I went to Google and I typed Lilith. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay, so it's interesting. The first mention we have of Lilith is in the Hebrew Bible. It's Isaiah 34, 14. feel like I'm bad. What? Come on. (laughs) Is it, is it before Isaiah? Genesis? Okay, so let me read this out to you. I've got, oh man, I've got like 20 different versions. I've got like 30 different versions. The wild beasts of the desert shall also meet with the wild beasts of the island, and the satyr shall cry to his fellow. The screech owl shall also rest there and find herself a place of rest. Now, we've got critters meeting. So we've got wild beasts. Uh, we've got the wild goat, so I'll call to his fellow. Mm-hmm. Uh, the night monster. We've got a hairy goat. Uh-huh. And the Lilith will settle. We've got the yeah. wild beasts. We've got the wolves and hyenas. The howlers. And, and the shaggy goat. Um, mm-hmm. We've got the screech owl. Uh, Which is wild, also translated as Lilith. Right. Wild mm-hmm. cats will meet with hyenas. The goat mm-hmm. demon will call to his friends. And there Lilith will lurk. I then went to Google Translate and put in Lilith. And Lilith is the Hebrew word for owl. Like, if you're like cruising down the road... And you hear somebody say who, and be like, oh, there's a Lilith in the woods. Like, that's, what we're looking at is owls. And, and like, I'm kind of amazed we didn't find this earlier, because in Gilgamesh, when we've got the hulupa tree, you know, with the, the zoo bird, and it's full of Liliths, that just means the willow tree was full of owls. And no, Gilgamesh no, no, de-owled no, no. the tree. No, it's no, that no, no, simple, no, no, no. guys. It is, no, 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 What no, no, more no, no. could no. there be? No, so much more. I solved it. Thanks for listening to the Dispatches. This episode is over. Like, comment, subscribe. I, I've I solved just, the. N- no. I, how? Where to begin on how wrong you are today? <laughs> Makes sense, it's, but, but they're just owls, dude. Have you heard an owl in the night? They're terrifying. Only if you're a mouse. It's true, but they are spooky. And they are spooky, right? And don't they? I mean, they can. Symbolize death and they in the have underworld. A, a venomous bite. 
<laughs> Venomous <laughs> owls. <laughs> but uh, she's so much more than an owl. I I tried, guys. I tried. <laughs> you tried well, to, to 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 shorten this podcast. Yeah. To to a fun size fun size <laughs> podcast. Hey guys, no, what is Lilith? No. Lilith is owl. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Going like all the way back to the word "lil," uh, it basically means the flyers or mm. the desert wind. Um, so there's elements of like the owl in the name as far back as you go, because it's night and flyers and darkness and the desert and the wilderness all kind of rolled up into one ideogram. So the owls are there. Yes. But it's also, I mean, it's a, uh the Lillen are a category of demon too. Yeah. Yeah. So and night um, monsters could be demons as well as owls, as well as any sort of creepy crawly. Right. Yeah. And Gilgamesh was actually half Lillim. Lillim. Mm-hmm. Or two thirds Lillim. His genealogy is really muddled. Oh, that's right. He's two thirds. Yeah. Oh, he's just a Lil Lillim. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, Pazuzu was, Pazuzu was a Lilu. Lilu? So it's it's Lilith is the singular female version of the word Lil. And I think mm-hmm. that Lilu is male singular as well, but I'm not sure on that. So yeah, there's this kind of this going into Mesopotamia, there's this category of demons that are it's a big category. It's um a lot of very powerful demons. Uh, Pazuzu, Pazuzu's dad, Lamashtu, were all Lilith. Well, Lilu. Lils. Lilai? That might be no. That's probably that's Greek. But I think that means that Lil Nas X is also Lilith. Oh my gosh! Oh wow! You're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, He's like going ding ding light bulb. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for listening. Wow. <laughs> like, subscribe. Well, Victoria <laughs> just ended the episode it. right there. <laughs> I think that Lil Lin were identified as the ghosts of women who died in childbirth. Again, yes. we're back in like 1000 BC ish around there. There's a invocation against the Lilin from like 700 BC. Oh, flyers from the dark room pass away. Now, now night demons. And it uses Lil and Lilitu in the same kind of text. Mm-hmm. This is the thing you say, like you're walking down the road and owl flies overhead and you're like, Oh, flyers of the night be gone. I mean, every day. Yeah. There's kind of a connotative idea of the Lilu or the Lilithu being sort of the demonic version of the other woman. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they were sexual, but it was this kind of bad sexuality. A text describes them as a girl with whom a man does not sleep in the same way as his wife. Huh. So kind of, again, like this deep rooted idea of the Lilithu or the Lilith being really the other woman. And that carries through her, legend well really to this day sort of a, if, a bad romance yeah yeah kind of a, a tainted love <laughs> that also even though i could not bear to watch it at regular speed the biography of lilith i think gets at that was idea was, of lilith was that the indie film 30 minutes long where there's a woman in kind of a modern relationship story, maybe a bit yes. of a hills, hills like white elephant sort of thing happening mm. in the background and yes. a high pitched soprano warbling in Latin? Oh, God, yes. 
Yes. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it from a distance, except for the warbling soprano. That was yeah. Uh, like if the Mystery Science Theater three thousand guys reviewed it, they'd all start going. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was a bit much. And it took me like I was trying to figure out like why is why is Lilith portrayed in this in this way? And you just solved that for me, like because she is kind of portrayed as the other woman, like yeah. um, who was told by the angels, like you need to just get over it. Like Adam's moved on, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you need to like not go near his children, not go near his wife, Ouch. and she refuses to do so. It's sort of like fatal attraction, but more celestial more celestial way so to kind of get at like where lilith comes from we almost need to separate her out from all of her children and the entire category of lilith lilitu lily lilu demons and like identify where she becomes her own person there is some hints that she's got that deity being demonified that happens so often because prior to 2,500-ish, 3,000-ish, there's kind of a singular of what would become Lilith. You know the two bulls that look like they have men beards? The two, yes, yes. Initially, I thought you said bulls, and I was like, no, but I, I do know the men, the be- the men, the bulls with the men beards. Men beard bull, bulls. Right, right. Men beard, bu- men, bu- men beard bulls. Uh, and they sit on either side of a gateway. Uh, right. They have names, one of their names is Lamasu, uh, and that's the female of the pair, again, male-female pair. Uh, and they were guardians. But when the Babylonians inherited the Ur mythology, they really took away all that was good about Lamasu, and she became Lamashu. So if they took away everything good, what was the good about Lamasu? Uh, guardian cherub sort of thing, you know, temple guardian, okay. protector. Yeah, Um uh, but they took away the, the positive elements and kind of what was left was just a little bit monstrous, Lamashtu, who was, I think, one of the first like named baby killer demons. And she was a named baby killer demon. She had an identity and she was a single creature. Pazuzu fought against her. Uh, presumably the gods didn't like her very much. And around the same time, there's some hints that Lilith was a individual herself because she's named as a handmaiden of Ishtar. Mm, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're talking about the plaque of the bird-footed goddess of the night and some arguments over whether it was uh, Ereshkigal because nobody would make a picture of Ereshkigal because then she'd find you, or whether it was Ishtar and Anna because she wouldn't have owl feet and her wings wouldn't point downwards. I kind of wonder if maybe that was an image of Lilith when she was a goddess rather than when she was a category of demons, maybe. Because there's all these independent... Yeah, yeah. I, I was reading that, and they were like, "Well, obviously, it's not Lilith because it's Ereshkigal because you wouldn't do this." But if this plaque was created before Lilith was bad, it could be of Lilith and not just Ereshkigal. Interesting. Yeah. If this argument forms the foundation of your doctoral thesis, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, PhDs make a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, but then there's kind of this just very long period where there's a bunch of Liliths running around. Uh, they hide in trees, as we have established. The Lilu demon becomes like a class. Uh, and the words, they just kind of muddle. Lil, Lilu, Andrat, Lily, 
demons of the southern wind, demons that come through your window, demons that are like birds, desert wanderers, night wraiths, etc., etc., etc. She has so many identities even before she kind of gains uh, a single identity. She makes an appearance as a singular creature in the Testament of Solomon. Yes. Is that what mm. we read last week? Yep. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. Yep. She, she, but she's known in that as Abazuth. Yeah. Abazuth. Abiz, mm-hmm. Abazuth. Yeah. And uh, she's described as all head and no limbs. Weird. Um, which is pretty much me in high school. She's often considered similar to Medusa, and she's also called Abizu, A-B-Y-Z-O-U. But she's blamed for miscarriages and infant mortality, and she's motivated by envy. And I, her uh, her angel frenemy is Raphael. Right, and Raphael is also Lilith's uh, frenemy later on in some versions of the Kabbalah, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Abizu has innumerable names. That's one of her traits. She's infertile. She can't have kids, so she kills them. Mm, um, thus the envy. And, yes. Right. Uh, and her hair is like wild and crazy hair. And that is an extremely recurring Lilith trait, that kind of crazy, mm-hmm. crazy hair. Later, there's a version of, there's a Greek demon, I think, that's very similar. Her name is Ab- Abza. Abzi. It, it's, it's, it's a really strongly related word. And one of that demon's secret names, and these demons have hundreds of names, is Lilith. Uh, so there's a kind of the suggestion that these characters are the same person if you go forward or backwards long enough. Abzio Abazuth's traits are very Lilithy as well. And also the Lamashtu, eventually, even the Babylonians say, yeah, this is basically the same as Lilith. Let's just combine the two legends and move on. So I think all of these kind of jealous baby killers, when they get reduced to a single person, start to become a, a Lilith. I mean, they are a Lilith anyway, but they become the Lilith very soon. She's, she's kind of powerful and absorbs other people. I have she, a question about her appearance. I understand. Okay, so she always has messy hair. She has wings. And um, the wings and the messy hair, I understand the messy hair sort of signifying wantonness and being outside the bounds of proper uh, womanhood or femininity. But the wings are also associated with promiscuity? In different ways, because children born with wings are often like children of adultery or um, what? You know, that's that's I yeah. That was one of the things that I read is like this sort of symbolism of children born with wings. I think it's being aligned with adultery, like you know, as love child. As I understand it, this is kind of like calling them changelings, and these are. Funny little fetuses that look kind of weird when they're aborted or miscarried. So it may and not be, it's just like wings explains any sort of deformity that yeah, might when, imply some kind of, mis, you know. I think that's the case. It's a very strange statement otherwise. Yeah. Um, I was curious about that. Interesting. And, and that Lilith's wings also imply some kind of. It's kind of like back formation of that where you're just like, We've got these things which have wings, which are promiscuity, and then you have a entity with wings. They must be the cause of this adultery and promiscuity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. and the first part, like, if if I had long hair, if I had any hair, honestly, and wings, and I flew around, of course it'd be messed up. Like, 
flopping around the neighborhood. You don't got time to comb your hair before you land. It's going to be messy, guys. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not wanton. The wings are almost certainly inherited from her kind of owlish, night-flying, desert-flying background. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because like that, the little category of demons—they're demons of the wind and birdish. Let's go back uh, one. You said, you said, and I, I remember reading this and then not paying attention. But you said someone's wings point down and someone's wings point up. Uh, Victoria, run that by me again, or anybody. Uh, well, we talked about that with Ishtar, mm-hmm. and wings that point down are demonic, and wings that point up. Are angelic, right? yeah. Well, kind of because there's the the gods of the earth and mm-hmm. the gods of the heaven, and I think the gods of the heaven are the smaller group of gods, and those wings point upwards, and the gods of the earth, like the Anunnaki, those point downwards. Mm-hmm. But like Pazuzu has wings that point up and downwards, although I don't think those are his most noticeable features, um, and uh, <laughs> and so does that that owl demon too. So kind of unknown, but maybe that's just. Like the demons, they're able to be kind of part of both worlds. Their wings point two different directions. Mm. Again, not not really very much researching done on my part here. So bats. Bats wings point down. Unless they're sleeping, then they're upside down. Then they point up. Mm -hmm. Because they are sort of this this kind of creature, like hybrid creature of the liminal space. Mm. So they kind of... Well, in the Bible, they're just birds. Oh. Which simplifies things. That's true. Yeah. They're not owls. Nobody no. hears an owl. They're Let's just make that still scary. perfectly clear. <laughs> so from from this kind of mess of multiple Lilith myths, you get you get her distilled into a single primary spot character in yeah, maybe the seven hundreds ish to the to the thousands. She makes her appearance as Adam's first wife or the first Eve she's sometimes called in like seven hundred ish in a document called the alphabet of ben sira and this is kind of a slightly comedic tome maybe it's kind of satirical like proverbs but a little bit twisted and ben franklin because it's got <laughs> lots of it's got lots of sex jokes and potty humor in it and part of this is this lilla story where she's wants to be on top uh adam doesn't like that idea and so they end up having a very messy divorce and she flies off into the wilderness like literally like calls the name of god and flies away on her wings. Yeah. I found this really strange that the basis, like this this kind of um, cultural iconography and story about Lilith is from a book that, you know, is kind of in keeping with a hundred more hamburg- ham- hamburger jokes, you know, like... <laughs> How, like, what if we, what if we built our culture based on the Mad Magazine or um, Al Jaffe's, or who was it, the uh, comebacks for slightly annoying questions? Readers <laughs> Digest joke pages. Like, <laughs> Readers Digest kids say the darndest thing. Yeah. Like, our entire culture is based on that. Oh, like, that man. Is, that's our, that's our canon. I really got into personal argument with myself that I didn't want to have in public because like the question of what is a real myth started coming up Uh and I, I, you know, Lilith has become a powerful female myth and a powerful female figure. And she's really just had this nineties Renaissance. That's, that's wonderful. 
But this story, it's got this kind of women, huh, tone. And it's written. Yeah, right, right. That's exactly it. It's yeah. like it's like cocktail napkin humor from the yeah. 50s. Like it's like you by know. rabbis for male Jewish readers. <laughs> mm-hmm. And the story is like, okay, you've managed to make her unreasonably angry at you. And she's thrown away. And then God himself has to send lawyers to negotiate with her. And like God has to negotiate with her. That's how difficult it is to deal with this angry woman of the of the of the night yeah it's it's very it's it's like it's lilith um, nudge nudge wink wink right like take my take my demon please (laughs) and it's really fascinating that from here she becomes a powerful feminist character although she is a very strong character in that story it's just like that voice is not really it, it it's taken some transforming to make that voice part of the like feminist language of the occult occult mm-hmm. feminist language and mm-hmm. good but it's it's difficult to see the path exactly from there mm-hmm. there's like some and side legends say on that later okay there's some side legends where she goes back and uh sleeps with adam a large number of times and produces lots of demons including leviathan which must have been a very difficult birth what <laughs> i don't i don't know i don't even know adam but yeah, is Le- leviathan's dad yeah or is it is it Sam? No, is no, it that was Adam. That was Adam. That was Adam. Uh huh. Oh, yeah, Sam wow. got in there too. But so, like, Eve becomes the mother of humans, and really Israel in this story because that's like right. the line. Fair. And Lilith is a different path, and that's demons. Maybe that's just demonizing the outsiders. Like Cain is the father of demons, or whatever. Also, Lilith is the mother of Cain once or twice. Um, and like anything bad is born from Lilith. Uh, it's it's a lot of muddle in her mythology. There's also some versions of the story where she's she's offered the choice of come back to us or every day a hundred of your children will die. And she says, Oh well, sorry kids. <laughs> it's wine o'clock somewhere for Lilith. <laughs> And that's part of this kind of uh, women, huh? Story. Um, but Can it's, you it's a believe crazy story. It? Also, <laughs> she was in a regular four-way with Adam and Eve and Samael. Um, well, who, who hasn't been, I really? mean, and if that isn't like the power polycule Me. of the Garden of Eden. But here's a question. Do you believe in Adam and Eve actually being separate, or are they, is it a, one hermaphroditic being? So it's... I think the hermaphrodite thing was like a Plato sort of... We talked a little bit about that in the Hedgewig and the Angry Inch saga a few weeks ago. Like that mm-hmm. story. Oh, that was part of the little Nas story as well. Yep. Mm-hmm. That story of the alchemical balanced hermaphrodite find your other half thing is almost a Greek thought experiment, not necessarily part of the Garden of Eden story. Mm. There might have been soulmates. There might have been like balanced other halves because Samael was maybe Lilith's other half. That's, I think that's the understanding is that yeah. there's um, the binary of hermaphroditic beings representing, you know, yeah. good and evil. And she wasn't like bad. I mean, they obviously in some stories had some relationships that lasted a while. And in one story, she actually gives Eve her beauty. It's like that's her gift to the human race, I suppose, kind of by extension. No, I couldn't find that for you in Wikipedia or anything like that. But it is a, <laughs> it is a story that I've skimmed over in my like recent glut of Lilith reading. What, that is weird. What does that even mean? <laughs> like, what is that? Like, here, I don't know. It seems like such a, 
I don't know, such a I, such a frenemy thing to do. Like, oh, sweetie, I'm going to give you my beauty because you're, you know, like you need it. Maybe it's more like like the the fairy godmother blessing. I was thinking it was just like here's a gift certificate to Claire's. <laughs> That's right. Go to Sephora. Knock yourself out. Yeah. Adam has to wait in line for an hour while she picks out the perfect fig leaf. <laughs> That's right. But it's also like, does beauty mean beauty? I mean, what is beauty? Like, does it really mean what we understand beauty to be? Or is it actually kind of like something else? I, this is unknowable to me because I can't remember where I got that story. <laughs> <laughs> But a lot of this period, Lilith is very strongly cast as the other woman on Mm -hmm. an almost cosmic scale. Like, that is her myth. She is the one who Adam slept with instead of Eve and created demons by mistake. Oops. She feels jealous and wronged by Adam, and so she sneaks back into the Garden of Eden in the form of a serpent and helps tempt them into falling. She just gets this... blaming that on Lilith, too? Everything everything is to blame on, on Lilith. Yeah, the serpent is either Samael or Lilith in some stories, depending. It could be both. I don't know. Um, and that, maybe that's just like angry X talk at this point, too, because it's like polycules, totally when they break, they break big. angry X. Like, I know. I, I mean, I, I'm still, I'm kind of like fascinated by this gave her the beauty thing because like, okay, Eve, look, you've got Adam now. I know what he likes. So I'm giving you my platform heels right i no longer need them he digs them so they're yours now right that is that kind of what we're saying where i'm giving you reason to be wanted i don't i don't know it turns out that story is from the zohar which is the first like major kabbalah book Mm -hmm. so it's tied to that weird solomonic sort of numerical um everything has a form and function based on its number hmm. from one to 72 sort of mindset. So I don't know if it's a metaphor or a real story or what. Okay. Um, that's also where the business about Adam and Eve and Samael and Lilith involved in a four way came from. And I'm much happier with that being a story than with that being a sort of alchemical idea. Okay. Well, let's not mess with the Zohar. Um, oh, what comes God. next? <laughs> the Zohar. I somebody was going to say it. Chronologically, the Zohar comes next, but I want to get circle back on that because that's my long-winded pedantic thing I want to close with to keep our audience awake and hungry for the next episode. <laughs> you want to talk briefly about Succubi? I mean, that's oh. probably going to be a standalone episode, but they are tied to the Lilith myth. And you're not talking about the car, right? The Plymouth Succubi? Or- <laughs> <laughs> there is no Plymouth. <laughs> there is no Plymouth Succubi. Dodge Incubus. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, so the succubi are the female form, maybe literally the female form of the incubi. So these are either pairs of demons or a single shape-changing demon. And the succubi lay with men and steal their semen. And then the incubi use that semen after storing it in semen space. I don't know. Uh, use it to impregnate women. Most frequently, they do this to celibate monks. So I think this is just to explain why the kid looks like the abbot. Interesting. I yeah. did not know like this was uh, an explanation for like oh no that because it's not mine because it really is just like yeah be. explaining semen delivery oh. in a very complicated. Yeah. Way. So like the kids of Succubi 
or no, the kids of Incubi and ladies who have been chained by their night spoilage are called Cambians. And that word has a very similar style and in some languages root to uh, changelings. So they're kind of it, similar. It is. C- Cambio, Cambians. Cambiar. Yeah. It's to change. Yeah. And Cambians are sickly and demanding and crying all the time. It's very much like the changeling myth. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, there's so many. This is so, so interesting that there are all these explanations for things that are just kind of the human condition. <laughs> like... <laughs> Yeah, people are going to sleep around, and yeah, baby's going to cry. The Malus Maleficorum has pages and pages devoted to explaining how witches sleep with incubi. Oh, which yeah, which is much less entertaining than I was hoping it would be. Yeah, were there yeah, pictures? You think that whole that whole mm. thing needs to be. It's not nearly as exciting as it oh. as you want it to be. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But this is this is just an aside about incubi and succubi. Did y'all ever watch? I think it was on TV Funhouse, the Moral Oral. I don't. What? It's a little claymation cartoon, and there was an episode that is very similar to the Incubi Succubi explanation for how all these babies look like the Abbot. <laughs> I'm re-looking at the Bernie relief. The uh, the mm-hmm. the um, the what call it? And there's this claw-footed winged woman, and I just noticed. There's owls on either side of her. Yes. It's, it can't be a Reshkigal. Because it's the underworld. Right. Well, there's owls. There's I mean, Liliths. It, it, She's surrounded by well, Liliths. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I don't think that you can look at any one story and say this is fact. Because that kind of is, becomes a little bit crazy making. Because there's all these different mythic threads that connect them all. Yeah, the owls are Lilith. But maybe they're also... Erish Kigal in some versions. I I don't know. I haven't, but they are kind of associated with her very strongly, and you know, hanging out in hula hoops and things like that. So, mm. so the idea of kind of Lilith in the Garden of Eden as the snake, just the serpent side of her is strange, and I haven't quite wrapped my head around it yet. But isn't she an owl? Well, she's like one of those weird owl snakes that you sometimes get in the Middle East. Like that's a yes. real thing, along with the wolf spiders. <laughs> Owl snakes? Owl snakes, wolf spiders, and scorpion ladies? Mm. Yep. I like Texas. It's safe. <laughs> maybe maybe this is the like strange connection to the Lamia. The Greeks have just said that Lamia is kind of another word, is like their direct translation of Lilim. Yeah. Uh, night demons. So I'm not sure it's really a separate category, category of organism, but... I guess to become that in, like, later culture. But uh, there's also the possibility that they actually evolved. They're separate, but they kind of became conflated I at, could, in a certain time I of, could like, the Hellenistic that. period. Yeah, because um, the Lamia is from Lamashtu, or Lamasu. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's the, the bearded bull. No, that's, yeah, but, but Lamashtu, the... the Child-eating demon, oh. not Lamasu, the bearded bull lady. Oh. Lamasu, Lamasu, have you seen Lamasu? <laughs> Lamasu, the bearded bull lady. Why um, is it, have you ever been Lamasu for Halloween? I think Jaman could pull it off better than I could. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He does look good in a skirt. I do look good in a skirt. Okay. Cool. Okay. So, the Lamia are child-eaters. 
Yes. Uh-huh. The Lamassu yes. are child eaters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Maybe. No, wait. Lamashtu is a child eater. Wait, okay. Sing- singular. So, for because obviously I have everything under control for the listeners at home. Right. Lamasu, mm-hmm. Lamashtu. Let's set everyone tomato, else straight. Tomato, tomato. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 3500 BCE, mm-hmm. Lamasu is one of, is the bull beard lady. Yes. Uh, Babylonians take over the bull beard lady myth, turn her into Lamashtu, a child-eating demoness. Okay. Arguably the first of that category, maybe. So here's a question. When we say, okay, this thing became this other more terrible thing, why did why did all of these things become child eaters? Like what cultural imperative meant that we needed to create child eaters? Well, it seems like you get... The male demons are all about war and plague and poison and death. And the female demons play on female fears. Breaking up relationships, destroying babies, poisoning things. But is that really a female fear or is it a male fear of females? Oh, no, I don't think... How how can you have that conversation when all the texts were by men? (laughs) In an actual explain things kind of way, right? Uh-huh. We know why all the kids look like the abbot. Infant mortality was a huge thing in the entire world until we invented medicine, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So yep. how do you explain infant mortality? Which was probably pretty massive, right? Right. Um, mm-hmm. And like currently in the – what year is it now? Like there are studies in Texas where it's like in the 80s – Infant mortality was 0.06%. And now in 2020, it's like 0.004%, right? So four babies in 10 million inexplicably do not survive childbirth, right? In the, in the you know, cities of the, the clay condos where medicine didn't exist, that's slightly exaggerating. But yeah, it's like, I, I kind of see child eater as... An explanation of a reality. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm, ha- I'm having this thought as I think it. I didn't plan this one out. Across, like, most of history, actually, infant mortality is, like, one child in four dies in their first year of life. So the numbers are staggeringly high. That's almost um, 25%. It is. It's very mm-hmm. close to It's actually more than that. So, and then half half of everyone dies as children anyway. So... It really is a huge stroke of luck to live to be an adult enough to have your own kids and therefore suffering. Hmm. So, I mean, if half of your kids die, well, so a lot of mythology is just giving us a sense of understanding and control over our world. Yeah. And if half your kids die, that is such a major thing. I mean, that is a lot of suffering and a lot of your life tied up in this suffering. This may just be a way of trying to gain understanding and control over this dark unknown that has destroyed Damn it, Lilith. Most of your kids. Damn it, you but did also, it again. Uh, <laughs> and that's the thing, like Lilith also became associated with midwives, but yeah. in a negative way, because there's this mystery surrounding the power of midwives and what they actually do. Like maybe they're responsible for these infant deaths because they are they, they are present at the birth. Uh, um, these babies. And so I think there's just like 
the central fear, like, okay, yes, there's this unexplainable thing that happens. Yeah. Lot, you know, babies die in childbirth. We got to blame somebody. We, the, the men, don't have any understanding of this, and it seems like a mystery to us. This is a women's area, so and, let's and, blame the women. And that legend carries a long time. That's in the like 18th century, I think. That one is still kicking around in Jewish. Oh yeah. In Jewish mm-hmm. culture and, and stories. Oh, I mean, as a 21st century man, I also don't understand women. So, like, <laughs> there, do you there set is... out little bowls around your ha- like your house before you go to bed so that you know women will well, will stay away from you? Well, not yet, but the night's not over. <laughs> there are Lilith moments where she's actually very she loves the children. Like, it's not just that she, she's not necessarily bitter all the time. Some of the midwife Lilith connection is that she actually does protect children and does care about them. Like, she becomes a, a mother of, of them. And um, I think in one of the, in the Zohar, which I'll get to eventually, she's, or maybe it's, maybe it's the alphabet of Ben Saris, she's given ownership of children until, like, day eight for boys and day 20 for girls. Oh. Um, so she's actually kind of this, this, I guess during this period where they're most likely to to die, mm. she's she's the mother of them, and maybe that's kind of a gift to the actual mother. Like I don't have to own this when it breaks my heart. Yeah, like there's a possibility you may not survive day eight. I'm not going to become emotionally invested in you oh. until you oh, no until you prove yourself a human by living. And and this is so sad. If the myth is that a hundred of littlest children die every day, and she's the mother of everybody until like day eight to twenty. Oh. Yeah. That's such a heartbreaker. But wow. that means 300 live. Yeah, and then they're not hers anymore. <laughs> but at least she can maybe say goodbye to some of them. Or eat them. It's true. It's true. Jacob again. Tonight's conversation went into overtime as we went down a dozen Lilith-related rabbit holes or owl holes. Do owls dig holes? Do burrowing owls dig holes? I think burrowing owls are a thing. Anyway, we'll break this off here and bring you part two on the 20th. So until then, we'll see you in hell. This podcast is copyright 2021 by The Dispatchist and its Creative Commons. You're welcome to reuse with attribution. Look for us on your favorite podcast app. Say hi to us on Twitter or Gmail at the Dispatchist, no spaces. Check out our website, dispatch.ist, for more episodes, show notes, and a variety of hellish resources.